You are listening to the Crossing Anchor Podcast in Detroit, Michigan. So glad to have you with us today. If this encourages you or helps, please share the word and bless others as well. Let's start with today's content. Hey, if I haven't gotten to meet you yet, uh, my name is Josh, and I'm the lead pastor here at Cross and Anchor. My wife and I, uh, we are just so privileged to be able to be leading an incredible church here in the heart of our city that's filled with incredible people. And as I look out, I see all sorts of amazing people that I love dearly and that I'm so glad that are here. And up in the balcony is my literal family. Uh, and... From Wichita, Kansas, we have my grandma, Bonnie Creekmore, my mother, Barbara Bowers, my cousin, Judy Creekmore, and my uncle, Daryl Creekmore. This is uh, their first time here at Cross and Anchor. My mom and my grandma have been before. So, seat of honor uh, for the family. And I'm just so thrilled to be able to be here tonight as we continue this series that we've been in now for four weeks. Maybe you've caught some of it. Maybe you've gotten to see all of it, or maybe you've gotten to not see any of it. That's okay. It's all up online, so you can catch up. This has been a series that I really felt like God placed on my heart. Um, I remember my wife and I were on a trip, and I woke up, or sorry, it wasn't my wife and I on a trip. Now this is going to sound awkward, because I was on a trip with AJ, who I don't view in that way at all. But I had to correct it, because it wasn't right. And anyway, so... My friend AJ and I were on a trip, and uh, I remember I woke up one morning, and the whole idea for this series just kind of popped into my head. And what you saw as the video bumper for the intro was, was there as well. And we've talked about and discussed in this series a lot of different things. We've answered the question in a lot of ways, and we do each week, of what does it mean to be human? We've talked about how God created us for relationships, both relationship with him and relationships with people. And last week we talked about our daily nine to five grind and how God wants to make our work worship. I don't know if that encouraged anybody last week, but I think sometimes we don't view work in the same way that God wants us to view work. And I hope that that's been helpful. But this whole series has been about answering the question, what does it mean to be human? Talking about who we are as people. And tonight we're gonna ask the question, how do we find our people? You know, everybody is looking for a sense of belonging. Everybody is looking for a place that they can call home. As you look throughout sitcoms, in the last 30, 40 years, the most popular ones have been those that have centered around people who were in community, people who had relationships with each other. One of the most popular shows now of all time is Friends. Come on, any Friends fans in the house? My wife loves Friends. I'm praying for her. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I am praying for her, but different reasons. But my I, friends, did you know that the series finale of Friends had 52 million live viewers? Like one of, roughly one of every six Americans watched the series finale of Friends. And every week it was pulling in 23 million live viewers. It's been streamed. My wife and I just watched the Friends reunion special. Hello, HBO Max, anybody? I, I think the number was something like 11 billion times the series has been streamed. 
Like that's more than the amount of people on earth. That's crazy. But part of what makes friends so popular, part of what makes the office so popular, let's go back to the 80s, part of what made Cheers, hello, so popular, was that it was a place of belonging where everybody knew your name and they were always glad you came. Or it was a place that you felt like even while you watched it, that you were almost a part of this crew, a part of these people on the screen. You were, you were involved, you wanted relationships like that in your life. And all of us are looking for our people. And what's amazing about God is that he's given us a people. God wants us to find a place to belong. And the scripture is so clear about that. We're gonna be in 1 Peter chapter two tonight, and I'm not even gonna tell you the title of my message because it won't make sense until the end anyway. And I don't want you to be like, hold on, and you're trying to think about it, and we're already on point three. So I'll just tell you later. Point one is just a people. 1 Peter chapter two, verses nine and 10, it says this. Listen, this is true about you. I want you to hear these words as God's speaking this over you. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people. Say that with me. A people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And listen to this. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Hello. I'll say it again. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Tonight, we're going to be talking about people. We're going to be talking about a group of people. I think a lot of times in this series, even when we've said the word people, we've thought about individual people. And even the graphics and the pictures that were so incredible that were taken for this series, there's actually a billboard advertising this series over in Corktown. Go and check it out sometime. But it's all pictures of individual people. But really, people has a lot of different ways that it can be defined, and mostly has to do with groups. Any group of human beings, collectively, people. Uh, as it relates to a country, the body of citizens of a state or country members of a family line. It's, it's all about groups. It's all about finding the people that you belong with. When you say, I'm looking for my people, what you're really saying is, I'm looking for the people that I identify with the most. I'm looking for the people that I feel like I can run life with, the people that I'm gonna do life with. And so when you say people, it refers to a group of people who have a common value system, a common purpose, a common identity, and a shared story. And this is all true about us as God's people. Look, look at what this says. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. So what does it mean to be God's people? Well, it means, first of all, that we have a shared story and that we have a common identity. 
I don't know if you look back at these verses, but they were very descriptive in what they said about who we are as people. One of the things that it said is that at the, at the end of verse 10 there, it says, but you are now God's people once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here's one of the things it means to be God's people. It means that you didn't deserve to be here, but God by his mercy gave you the gift of being here. What it means to be God's people is that at one point in time you hadn't experienced the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace and the redemption and the power and the love and the closeness of God, but now, hello, now you have received mercy. All of us in this room, every person who's put their faith in Jesus has this same story, is that at one point in time, we hadn't received mercy, and now we have. As I was studying this, it really caught me, like it just grabbed my attention because I think that sometimes we forget the tense that this was written in. I'm not here to give you a grammar lesson. Maybe you're like, thank God, I was hoping. I, like I'd never wanted to hear about grammar again. Any grammar nerds in here? Any people who just love English? Okay, I'm the only one, me and Nate, all right. Okay, Jacob and Hannah, all right. But it's saying, listen, it's very simple, but it's saying once you had not received mercy, that was a experience in the past. But now, right now, at this very moment in time, something that happened at one point in time has now come and defined your whole life now you have received mercy. So what this is saying is, you don't have to wait, you, you don't have to hope, you, you don't have to evaluate where you stand with God based on your performance for the day. What it's saying is once and for all, there was a time when you hadn't received mercy, but now you have. You are covered in the mercy of God. It doesn't get any better than that. There was a time in your life where you put your faith in Jesus and as a result, God came into your life and his blood cleansed you from all your sins and you became a new person. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I just wonder if there's anybody here or anybody who's watching who just, they need to be reminded that they currently at this moment in time are under the mercy of God. It's not a future thing, it's a right now thing. For me, I, I grew up in a Christian home. I could have done an Awana sword drill and beat any of you. I was so good. All the Christian kids are like, yeah, yeah. Some people are like, what the heck is Awana? Don't worry about it. I grew up and I knew about the Bible and my mom was so faithful in taking me to church and, and I knew all the stuff, but I didn't know Jesus. Yeah, that's the... That's the truth for a lot of people. Like we can know the stuff, but that's not the same as knowing Jesus. And it wasn't until I, you know, I, I became you know, a teenager. I kind of got in trouble at school a lot. I was constantly getting kicked out of class. I was a pretty obnoxious, rebellious kid. My mom would probably tell you, oh no, 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 you were always great. I was an obnoxious, rebellious little kid. And then I remember the day that Jesus came into my life. And I remember hearing this pastor preaching about God's radical love for me. 
and it was like it was the first time I had ever heard it. And my eyes were opened and I could just believe that Jesus loved me and that he wanted a relationship with me. And that simple truth completely revolutionized and changed my life. Just knowing that God in heaven was so radical and passionate in his love for me that he would literally send his son to die for me. And it was personal. It wasn't just this theoretical concept, but Jesus loved me. It changed my life. Once I had not received mercy, but now I have received mercy. And I could hand this mic to every person in this room and you could hopefully tell me the story of what God did in your life and how you came to know him. But all of us who are God's people, we have this shared story that we didn't deserve to be here, but God by his grace gave us the gift of being here. And we need to realize that it's true about us right now. My uh, wife and I, we went on a trip recently and it actually was my wife this time. And I remember we bought our tickets and we got on the plane and I think it was on the return flight back. I don't know why, but they selected my wife to have an upgrade. And they let her sit in the front part of the plane. Meanwhile, I was just you know somewhere in the back part of the plane with all of the other peasants. And we were, we were begging for water. Um, Spirit Airlines, hello. Just begging like, just please give me some water. We were just asking for God to be merciful to us in the back of that plane. And we, my, my, my wife, she's up at the front. And, you know, I, I travel more than my wife. Like, neither one of us have any kind of, like, frequent flyer status. But if anybody was going to get an upgrade, it probably should have been me, you know? And yet, for some reason, whether it was an algorithm or the choice of somebody who was at the gate, one of the gate agents, you know, I don't know. But she got selected to sit further up in the plane. But once that that was true, once she sat there and she was in that seat, even if she started feeling like guilty about it, which she probably should have because I was, you know, just back there suffering in the back. But even if she started feeling guilty about it or like, oh, you know, this was her seat. It had been assigned to her. This was her status for this flight. And there was nobody or nothing that was going to change that. This is what she was given. And I just wonder how many of us We don't understand the status that God has already given us. Like we're already slated to receive mercy. God has already reached a verdict about our life. God has already given us favorable, gracious treatment. And we didn't deserve it, but he gave it to us. And that's who we are in Christ. And we need to start believing it. And we need to start living like it. And we need to quit letting guilt and shame hang over our heads and pull us back from what God would want to release us into. Once we realize that at one point we hadn't received mercy, but now we have, it'll change the way we live. See, we all have a shared story if we're God's people. And we also have a common identity. Look at this verse. It tells us a bunch of things that would have been true at one point about the nation of Israel. And now the author, Peter, is telling this to us. He's saying, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession." 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is something that would have been said about the nation of Israel. They were God's chosen people. He had called them out of Egypt and he had given them a nation and he had given them a brand new start. And now, because of what Jesus has done, this is true about us. Any person from any race, from any background, from any ethnicity, from any culture, from whatever they've come from, any person who comes into a relationship with Jesus, this is now true about them. This is our identity. We are a chosen race. Now, it might kind of flummox us a little bit to feel like we're chosen. I don't know, maybe many of us in this room have never been chosen for anything. We always kind of feel left out. We're never the ones who are picked for the special role or for the unique thing or when our group you know, is, is doing something. Sometimes we feel like we're left out and it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the fact that this says that we're a chosen race. But listen, if you are in Christ, that means that God has picked you. Like he's chosen you. He, and, and of course, like there's this element of, you know, God's sovereignty and man's free will. And this is a whole theological thing that can really like make our brains hurt. But the idea isn't to make our brains hurt. The idea is to comfort our hearts. Like if God chose you, then you're picked. You don't, you don't have to worry about if at some point you're going to fall out of his favor or grace. He chose you. He, he selected you. C.S. Lewis, he explained this like this. It's like you're walking down a hall and you see these doors and the doors on top of one of them, it says, whosoever will may come. And then you walk through the door and then you look around and on the other side of the door, it says chosen before the foundations of the world. This is a hard truth to kind of wrap our minds around and totally understand. But the point is not that we're supposed to walk out with our chest puffed out, like we're all proud, like we're some big deal. No, the, the truth is that like God picked us to show other people what it can look like to receive grace. God picked us not because we were worthy, but because we needed forgiveness. God picked us because he wanted to show his love to us. And not only are we a chosen race, but we're a royal priesthood. Back in the Old Testament, there were 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. And one of those tribes was the tribe that was like the people who would take care of God's house, the tabernacle, and then the temple. And they would make sure all the functions of worship for the Jewish people were taken care of. But it was only one tribe who could do this. It was the Levites. One out of 12 were selected for this special task. But now what this verse is saying is that if you are in Christ, every person in this room who has put their faith in Jesus is a priest or a priestess. Like you have the same access to God that I do, that any pastor has, that, that any spiritual guru who you, know, you view as like some wise saint. It, we all have the same equal access to God. Every person in this room is a full-time minister. Every person in this room has the occupation of being a priest for God. Like, there's no hierarchy. There's no caste system. It's just, we have a direct line to God. You don't have to go through someone else. You can talk to him 
directly like a priest would in the Old Testament. You are a royal priesthood. And not only are you a priest, but you're a royal priest. You're royalty. Like, like you are an heir of the Son of God. Like, like God treats you, you're his kid, and so because you are the kid of the king, you yourself are royalty. You're a prince or you're a princess. In your blood is now this regal nature. You're a royal priesthood. Prince Harry and Prince William, they don't get to do things that everybody else gets to do sometimes because they're a prince. There's different expectations that are placed upon royalty than there are for everybody else. You know, we could get away with something that if Prince William did, it would be all over the news across the world. You see, we need to realize that we aren't just average, ordinary people, but we have significance that God's placed on our lives. We're a royal priesthood. And if God has said that you are his people, then maybe you shouldn't be so ashamed and maybe you shouldn't be so hard on yourself because God's happy to be associated with you. God gladly picked you. He wants people to know that you're with him. So this is our identity in Christ. And it's so important that we understand that because the way that God works and the way that the Bible works isn't to say you need to act like this so that you can become this. The way that God works is he says you are this, so act like this. You don't have to earn being a royal priest. You don't have to earn being chosen by God. You don't have to earn receiving mercy. You've been given it. That's who you are. You are a son or you are a daughter of God. You are a prince or you are a princess. You are a priest or a priestess. You have all these things that are true about you. This is who you are right now. So act like it. I've noticed that that has changed my life way more than guilt and shame ever could. Knowing that I'm clean makes me wanna live like I'm clean. But when I feel like I'm dirty, I run back into my sin. Knowing that I've been purified makes me want to live a pure life. Knowing the price that Jesus paid for me makes me want to honor God in everything I do. This is our identity as the people of God. So we are a people. We are his people. These verses said that we are God's people. And what it means is that God like I just said, wants to be associated with us, wants other people to know that we are his and that he's with us and that we're with him. But we're also your people. We're a people, we're his people, but we're your people. I started off this message by talking about how we're all looking for a place of belonging. And that's true of every person in this room. We're all looking for that place where we feel like we have something to contribute. People know who we are. People recognize us. We have um, an ability to do something in this group that, that adds value to it, that we just, that we're loved and that we love. 
We're all looking for our people. And there's a lot of people who live life and never find their people. And it's sad. But with God, what he's saying is, you already have your people. You don't have to go looking for them. Once you were brought into this relationship with God, you were brought into this people. You ever go to a Michigan football game? Anybody? Wolverines? Hey, I'm not for or against Michigan or Michigan State. I'm just, I'm from Kansas, okay? Let's go Shockers. I went to a, a Michigan game once and a friend of mine is the chaplain of the Michigan football team. And so I got to go to the game early and I got to hang out with some of the players and like hang out with, I saw Coach Harbaugh and the recruits and then we got to go onto the field early while the, the team was warming up and we got to like touch the, the grass and it was like a holy moment. And then we were assigned some seats and so we went up into our seats and, and I had never, up, up to this point, I had never been to a college football game, at least one of like this magnitude, you know, this Michigan, this is the Big Ten, this is a big deal. And as I was there, I noticed all these people like, they were all wearing the same color and they all had the same like face paint on and they all knew these songs that I had no idea what they were and they would like chant them and yell them and, and at, at the same point, everybody would do the same thing. And I, I was like, I didn't really understand because I'd never been to Michigan, but this was like a big deal. And they started singing things like this, hail to the victors valiant, hail to the conquering heroes, hail, hail to Michigan, the leaders and the best. And as they're singing this, I'm like, is this a church service? Like, is this, a, are we like worshiping something here? It was like almost sacrilegious, but everybody's doing it. And what, make, what made that football game so amazing to me, being able to experience that, it wasn't the game itself. I think Michigan actually lost, and that's been happening more frequently lately. Sorry, guys. But it was that everyone there felt like they were a part of the same thing. People, they will die almost for their alma mater because they went through this process where they felt like at the end of it, they belonged. Like they went through maybe even a, a sorority hazing or they went through like this four year challenging thing or they were even part of an athletic team and, and we all know the same songs and we're all singing the same stuff and we're all, we feel like we're in this together. What makes those moments so powerful, what makes going to Michigan so popular is not just the level of education or how prestigious the athletic department is, it's feeling like you belong. The church is supposed to feel like that. The church is supposed to be the place where you show up and you're like, these are my people. This is where I belong. I know the songs. And even if you don't know the songs, you learn and you sing them with us because it's not even about the songs. It's about the fact that we're all singing to the same God. And we're all united by way more powerful forces than anything that could try to pull us apart. Like we love each other and we'll bleed for each other and we'll die for each other and we have a common identity and we have shared values and we have a common struggle and we have a shared story. We are the people of God. 
And if we're the people of God and we know what it feels like to be accepted and welcomed and loved, then we should have that same approach to everybody else. We should have arms open that says, we want you to belong here as well because we know you're looking for that. But you find it in the most significant way when you get connected to God's people. And maybe you feel a little bit like you're out of place in this world. Let me just tell you, that's actually a good thing. If you feel like you just can blend in and be a part of any group and just kind of ride along in their flow and do what they do and you don't feel like there's anything that's pulling you in a different direction and you're just fine with being a part of the things that everybody else is a part of, I would actually be concerned for you. We should feel a little bit out of place in this world. We should feel like there's something that isn't quite right and that we don't totally connect with. I remember my friend telling me this story where after he started following Jesus and he started getting involved in church and he started understanding God's love for him, he went back to this party that, or this place where everybody was partying, something that he would have been a part of all the time prior to this. And he just, he remembered he walking in and it was really hot. I remember him describing this to me. It was really hot and, and people were sweating and, and there's all this, you know, stuff going on. And in that moment, it was like God spoke to him and he was like, I actually feel gross here. Like, I don't feel like I belong here. I, I can't blend in with this anymore. This is no longer who I am. You see, when God comes into your life and changes you, he gives you a new identity. And out of that identity, you become connected with God's people. And you find your people. The psalm says that God puts the lonely in families. God wants every person to know what it means to be a part of a family to be accepted, to be loved, to be welcomed. Listen, the follower of Jesus who has nothing in common with you other than God has more in common with you than anyone else. I'll say it again. The follower, follower of Jesus who has nothing in common with you other than God has more in common with you than anyone else because you're united by blood. You've been brought into a family. You've been made a part of God's family through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. And there's no greater sacrifice that's ever been made. And when you find your connection as a result of that, it goes deep. I remember when I was a teenager, I went on a mission trip to the Philippines. And we went to this really rural area, like out in the middle of nowhere. We had to hike to get there. We had to bring all of our supplies with us because there wasn't gonna be supplies when we got there. And we were with these village people who were Christians. And I didn't speak the same language as them. I couldn't totally understand them. But we had Jesus in common. And I felt so connected with them. Even though we were completely different cultures and completely different backgrounds, and we couldn't even talk to each other, but yet I could just sense in my spirit that we were family. The family of God is a beautiful thing. 
The church of Christ is a beautiful thing. It's the people that he paid for with his own blood. And to be in God's family is the best family that you can ever be a part of. So we're a people, we're his people, we're your people, and lastly, we're Jesus' people. We're Jesus' people. We are all about Jesus. There's only one name that brings us all together. There's only one thing that's greater than everything else. There's only one person that we're here to worship, and it's Jesus. We are a Jesus people united around the cause of Jesus Christ. He is what we're all about. If you want to sum up Christianity in one word, it's Jesus. And if you put any other word in there, it's not Christianity. Because Christianity is all about Jesus. So we are a Jesus people. But you should put a comma in there. Because we're all about Jesus. But we're all about people. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, when asked what the greatest commandment was, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. That's the Jesus part. We're to love him with everything inside of us, with every part of our being, with our heart, our soul, and our mind. And the second greatest commandment is like it, that we would love our neighbor as ourself. We're all about Jesus and we're all about people. We are a Jesus people that seeks to make Jesus known and to make people know him and for them to be known, for them to be loved. What's this church about? Well, if you're wondering, it's about that. We're a church for all people. We're a church for every person in Detroit. Anyone who walks through these doors Anyone who hears about this and interacts with us outside of these doors, we're we're a church for all people. We love this city and we wanna see this city's best days be ahead of it. But the greatest hope for the future of Detroit is not in Dan Gilbert or in Bedrock or in whatever the next new innovation is. And I'm excited about all those things. And I'm excited about the direction that our city is going. But the hope for our city is Jesus. Because Jesus is the hope for all people. And once people meet Jesus, Dan Gilbert's not gonna go into the hardest part of Detroit and individually pull someone up out of poverty and give them a brand new start and a new life. But Jesus is doing that all of the time. Jesus is meeting people where no one else will go. Jesus is going to people that no one else wants to be around. Jesus is reaching out into the hardest places and the hardest to reach people. And he's doing that because he loves humanity and he's been doing that for 2,000 years. Jesus came for us. I mean, for Jesus to even put on human skin was crazy. Like Jesus is in heaven, right? And he's being worshiped and adored and everything is perfect. And not only does he just put on human skin, but he chooses to be born in a manger around animal poop and around people who are in poverty, being relegated to the outside. He wasn't born in luxury. 
He wasn't born in a palace, even though we should have given him the highest honor of all time. Because Jesus wants everyone to know this, that I'm for every person. That you don't have to reach a certain level. You don't have to climb a ladder. You don't have to do X, Y, or Z. I am for every person. Jesus is for all people. And so we as a church will be for all people. Until hell is empty and heaven is populated, we're gonna storm the gates of hell with a water gun. And we're gonna rescue as many people and bring them, like this verse says, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I believe that the best days for the church, for our church, are ahead of us. I think there's so many more people that God has called us to reach. And, and I'm so thankful for each person in this room. Really incredibly grateful, more than I can even put into words. But I also believe there are so many more people that God has called us to go and reach and show love to and to let them know what it looks like to belong. I'm excited for the future because I believe that Jesus is for all people and that we are a church all about Jesus and all about people. We're a Jesus people. I told you at the beginning of this service that I had a title, but I wouldn't tell you because it would be confusing. That's it. We're a people, we're his people, we're your people, and we're Jesus people. If you wanna sum up what our church is about in a few words, you could do it in just that. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up and we're just gonna close with one more time of singing that song that we just sang at the beginning about new wine. Listen, we're getting ready to start dinner parties again. And if you've never been to one, I'd highly encourage you to come to one. Maybe uh, you'd like to be a part. Well, just take that connect card on your seat, please, and mark off the option that says dinner party. And we'll get you the information about the one that will work for you. Um, dinner parties are, and you're like, well, what's a dinner party? It's a dinner party. Like we're just having people over, we're doing life together. We're sharing a meal, sharing food, and we're getting in each other's lives. We're encouraging each other. It's a really, really great place to plug into and to be a part of a family. And as this church grows, our goal is to grow larger and smaller at the same time. Like we wanna reach as many people as possible, but we want every person to know that they're loved and that they're recognized and that they belong. So I'd encourage you to be a part of that. And uh, I had one more announcement, but I forgot it, so. Can we pray? God, thank you so much for each person in this room. Thank you, God, for all these things that your word says about us, that we're a chosen race, that we're a royal priesthood, that we're a holy nation. Even if those are things that we might not say about ourselves, what you say is greater than what we say. Who you say we are is true. God, I pray for any person here or any person watching who doesn't yet know what it means to be a part of the family of God. I pray that today would be the day that they go from darkness to light, that they see what it can be like to have a new beginning and a fresh start. And if there's anybody here, whether you're in this room or you're watching, that wants to start that relationship with Jesus today, that wants a, a new beginning, that wants to receive mercy and grace, 
then I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear God, I give my life to you. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Would you come into me and make me new and make me clean? God, help me experience your love. Let me understand what it means to be a new creation because I put my faith in you today. My Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Cross and Anchor podcast from Detroit, Michigan. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and share this with others. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. And let's live our lives on purpose.